listeners, and welcome to episode 8 of the Rapid Ascent podcast, uh, our final podcast for the year. Can you believe it? Uh, thanks for all your support throughout the year. We've, we're closing in on 5,000 downloads for our first seven episodes. I'm super excited to bring you episode number 8 today. Uh, we've got ultra running sensation Kelly Emerson. Uh, Kelly's a, a three time Australian long distance trail running champ, a PhD student, ultra trail world tour runner an OT full-time by day and a very, very in-demand running coach at the same time. So she's a pocket dynamo. Um, should mention as well that she's won the Surf Coast Century three times now. She's a phenomenal girl and really appreciate her time. She sat down and spoke with us for about an hour. So without further delay, here's episode eight of the Rapid Ascent podcast with Kelly Emerson. Kelly Emerson, welcome to episode eight of the Rapid Ascent podcast. G'day. Thanks for joining us today. I know this is going to be a really popular episode with some of our ultra runners and trail runners as well. You've got a super busy schedule. How did you fit us in today? Yeah, I live a pretty uh, crazy life, but um, recent, well, probably a year ago, I gave up working Fridays uh, to give myself a little bit of a break and to do some other things. So that's how we are here now. Yeah, I gave a, a small intro at the start of the podcast. So, PhD student, um, ultramarathon runner. I understand you work full time as an OT. Is that right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Four days now, um, and then yeah, a bit of coaching on the side as well for up, up coaching. I should mention super coach as well. So, what what does your coaching involve? You work with um, first iron runners or experienced runners or both? Yeah, I've got a, a wide variety of clients, I guess. Um, most of them most of them are trail runners, not all. Um, some of them aiming to be at the top end and some just aiming to um, beat the cutoffs. So it's a nice it's a nice wide variety. And what inspired you to to start running? Where does that drive come from? You're obviously a very successful runner. What's what drove your initial passion for running? really know I guess I've always liked to challenge myself um and and keep improving myself in different areas and um yeah I didn't start running till till quite late it's probably late teens early 20s and um I just found it was something that you know the goalposts kept moving and and kept kept pushing me to to go further farther first faster um yeah gave gave me a platform I guess to keep challenging myself and you hail from the Dandenong Ranges. Are you born and bred around that area? There's some beautiful trail running around there. Is that uh, part of the inspiration for your running? Yeah, I, I bought a house out here um, maybe seven years ago. And at the time I thought I was a little bit worried that I was so far out from the city. Um, but it turned out to be the best decision ever. And I, I really wouldn't have it any other way now. It's been a, an awesome training ground. I can sort of be at the top of the Dandenongs within four or five k's and um yeah i feel very lucky that we have it in the in the backyard and do you work close by is that a, a long commute to work or uh, i work out in the yarra valley in hillsville um so it's about a half hour drive but it's a beautiful drive through the vineyards and uh, no traffic so it's yeah i quite like it and i guess a burning question on people's lips is how do you manage such a busy schedule? Like you, you talk about coaching and all the rest. Do you have a do you plan your day in the morning or in the evening, the night before? 
the next day yeah. or is it yeah you just i just have to be really organized um i guess trying to stick with routine really helps um and yeah almost sort of planning a week in advance i guess just knowing what's on um and how i'm going to fit my training in and who i'm going to run with and um all of that and just staying on top of things so routine is key and unfortunately sleep probably gets missed a little bit and i need to try and focus on that a little bit more but um yeah it's a it's a good balance of different things (laughs) and uh, your typical training week if you can get into some of the details of your of your training so super super busy schedule as we've said what's the typical training week look like in terms of running yeah, so a typical week for me um, would not involve a heap of Ks compared to a lot of ultra runners. It's what I can fit in and it's more about quality over quantity. So um, a typical week for me would be Monday um, afternoon, a sort of easy run, um, recovering from the weekend. Um, Tuesday, I teach body pump classes in the morning and then I will coach a run group um, of an evening. Um, Wednesdays I'll tend to go for a midweek long run um, and I've got a few friends that I run with um, you know 90 minutes to two hour run on a Wednesday night Thursdays I'll try and go to the gym and do another strength session in the morning and then um, that night will be some sort of tempo run usually Fridays I have off and I, I really value having a having a rest day um, just to catch up on other life things and not have to actually think about going for a run um, and then Saturdays would probably be uh, some sort of other tempo um, or park run um, and then Sunday long run um, and I, incorporating some hills within that somewhere during that week and, yeah, varies depending on what, what the particular goal is at the time. So you would dominate the park run. Is that a 5K run Saturday morning? It is a 5K run Saturday morning. Uh, I don't know about dominate. 5Ks is very hard. <laughs> People think, uh, you know, when you run so far all the time that 5Ks will be really simple. But when you're pushing yourself to your max, it's often, I find, it more challenging than a long run. So you make that a high-intensity run, so it's three-and-a-half-minute Ks. <laughs> Can't quite go that fast, but, yeah, <laughs> high-intensity. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it must feel like just a warm-up compared to some of the runs you've done this year. In terms of time, yes. <laughs> And your schedule this year, you've had a pretty big year. I know you had, you went off to UTMB, that's right, this year, and you've spent a bit of time in South America running, is that right? Yeah, so we've done a lot of um, international racing this year. Um, It's been a really big year. I did a marathon back in Feb and then um, we, I got married in March and um, for our Congratulations. Thank you. For our honeymoon, we went to the States and on a, we, we called it our running moon. <laughs> um, running moon. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've got the, the runcation, now we've got the running moon. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did a couple of races over in the States, uh, Lake Sonoma, 50 mile, and then the, the Canyons, 100. And then, um, yeah, we went to Europe uh, August um, for UTMB and then recently just back from Argentina running in the World Mountain Running Champs. So it's been a big year of travel. Yeah, that's massive. So obviously work is very supportive of your activities outside of work. Do you take unpaid annual leave? Uh, my work won't give us unpaid leave, but 
I'll tell everyone out there it is worth staying in your job for 10 years. Um, so luckily I've got long service leave now and that's been a, a real help to me in being able to travel the last couple of years. <laughs> so you're just dipping into the annual leave and long service leave. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's always a big thing with because you're basically a professional athlete but you also work Monday to Friday. Are you, are you sponsored as well? Yeah, so unfortunately I wouldn't necessarily call myself professional because I don't get paid to run. So, it's, you know, you're yeah. living off that of, of this sport in Australia. Um, but I'm, I am very lucky to have um, quite a few sponsors who look after me um, and that, you know, that really helps. So we've got um, Hoko and Camelback and Labent, Koros, B-Fuel, a few others, She Science. Yeah. Yeah, big shout out to all the sponsors. And how did you go at the races in North America? Yeah, so in America, um, Sonoma I was really sort of gearing up for and it wasn't the race that I had quite planned. I can't remember where I came. I think I was still in the top 20, but, um, yeah, it was pretty It was pretty tough. Um, and I think looking back, it was just a really big lead in, you know, trying to expect a lot from myself after getting married and um trying to do a lot of study in that time period and um and also I'd just run the road marathon recently as well so I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and I was still jet lagged and whatever else but uh three weeks later going into the Kenyans 100 I had a had a really good race I was really happy with that and I came fourth there so um yeah it was a really good experience to I've raced in Europe a lot but that was the first time racing in the states and um yeah it was very a little bit different so all of these things, all of these races, I guess, are put down to experience to to learn from and um, improve for the next ones. So a different vibe and tempo to races in Europe and Australia, or yeah, different like vibe. your typical American feel. Yeah, so you know, particularly Sonoma, it was a really packed field. Lots of people were going for the golden ticket for Western states, so. Um, you know, I got to race against the best runners in America, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess not as, uh, say not as hilly, not as mountainous, definitely hilly, but not as mountainous as racing in Europe. Um, so a lot faster, a lot more power involved in the sort of more undulating course. So, yeah. And this is while you're on your honeymoon. So is your partner a runner as well? He is. Uh, or he was, <laughs> so he was. He, he did tour um, uh, Tour de a few years ago, and yeah, he's still a little bit broken from that. So he's currently transitioning to a bit more mountain biking and stuff. To a Tour de So it's a uh, what is it? Three hundred and thirty kilometer race through the Italian Alps. Went for five days straight. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why he's burnt out. So it's 330K on a yeah. five-day race. Yeah. Unbelievable. So they just <laughs> an adventure race style where you just camp anywhere, like you sleep under a tree type thing or? Yeah, you sleep whilst you're still running. You sleep wherever you can. <laughs> I know Rapid Ascent founder Tom Jacoby would love a race like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, for the rest of us, I can see why he's turned to mountain biking. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's good to see. So he's obviously very supportive. Would you say that he's your number one supporter? Hundred percent. Yeah, and he's the best support crew going around. Um, you know, it was um, 
it's always challenging to to race when he's not there now. So he didn't come to um, Mountain um, Running World Champs recently because uh, he had to work. Um, so yeah, it's always a bit of a different vibe when he's not there supporting me. But that's all good. And what what does he do day to day? So he um, is a, a he runs an international program for a school. So he's currently hiking through Nepal, doing the Annapurna Sanctuary hike. Oh, very nice. Yeah. But there's that sense of adventure that runs bo- runs through both of you. Is he from the Dandenong Ranges as well? or No, he's from Queensland. So um, Queenslander. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you guys meet? Was it through running? or? Yeah, so we met at the Ultra Trail Australia or North Face 100 as it was back then. Probably a good segue into UTA 100. You came or you won the event in 2018? Yeah, yeah, won the 100 and is, the 50 the year before that maybe. Is that your career highlight to date? You've also won the Surf Coast Century three times, as we said at the start in the intro. Um, what's your biggest, most rewarding moment to date? Oh, it's a good question. Um, the, yeah, there's so many cool moments. I think winning Surf Coast for the third time running was pretty special. Um, winning UTA was really special because that was sort of part of the Ultra Trail World Tour. It's the first event that I had won, so um, that was really cool. And um, coming fifth at UTMB a couple of years ago was pretty special as well. Yeah, so fifth at UTMB, you, you ba- we're basically talking about the, for those who don't know, could you describe it as the Tour de France of, of ultra trail running? A hundred percent. That's how I describe it to people. Um, yeah, it's it's a really special event. It's like the biggest ultra run in the world. There's, you know, two and a half thousand people running the, the hundred mile race, um, which is just insane when you think about the size of the fields here in Australia. And, um, you know, the whole community gets on board. Um, you feel like a superstar running down some of those streets and through the towns. Um, it's It's really cool. And it's a whole week of running festivities, isn't it? Like UTMB, I think is day one. Would that be right? Uh, and there's, no, not there's day five one. races throughout yeah. the week. Yeah, there's quite a few races. Um, and UTMB is uh, probably, I think it's the last event actually. It starts on the Friday night of that week, and um, yeah, so the whole week sort of builds up to that to the main race. So we should point out that's fifth, basically in the world, because it's a super complex. Very hard to qualify for that event, isn't it? It is hard to qualify for, especially now they've sort of changed the criteria a little bit. So it's hard to find uh, the points that you need in Australia um, to, to be able to be eligible for it. Yeah, it's, it's certainly um, Surf Coast Century, I think Ultra Trail, the Ultra Trail Run and one other event. I think there's only three qualifiers in Australia, so... How did you go about qualifying for that race? Did you was it via the Surf Coast Century, um, or was it UTA, or was it? Because I've raced so many long distance courses now, I, to be honest, I haven't really had to think about it too much. I've always had, yeah. so I've been really lucky. Whereas you know most people that I know or that I coach actually have to be really conscious about the races that they're choosing in order to to make sure that they're eligible. So. Yeah, I've been lucky in that sense that it's just sort of come about naturally. <laughs> so do you get a letter in the mail saying we're basically inviting you to the event or you still uh, have to go through that, that application process? 
The, the first year I was lucky enough to get an entry via, um, I was acting as press for Trail Run Mag. Um, so I still had to qualify, so I still had to have all the right points, but um, I got an entry that way. And then um, the last few, uh, I think I've, I've managed to get some entries through my sponsors, but same deal, you still have to qualify. It's just um, avoiding the lottery, I guess, in that sense. But um yeah, I've just been I've been lucky enough to to find my my way in and still um, because of my itra points. Um, uh, most years I've been in the elite field, so um, I get the chance to start at the front and avoid the mass crowd. Yeah, I'm just trying to think how they start. One thousand runners, two and a half, and I yeah, two and a half thousand runners up narrow streets and pathways, and that yeah. must be an absolute nightmare. And yeah. everyone starts at once? Yeah, everyone starts at once. Um, the main thing is that you just don't want to fall over or you will seriously get stuck in a stampede. But um, the first <laughs> few Ks of that race are just the most exciting thing you'll ever experience. There are just thousands and thousands of people lining the streets and, um, you know, all <laughs> the big booming music at the start and everyone does this special clap and it's just it's really exciting. It's, it's lots of fun. Did you do some practice runs down Burke Street Mall or something? I imagine it's quite hard to get used to. So Surf Coast Century versus UTMB, obviously two very different races, but have you got a which have you got a highlight or a, a preference for either one? Two very different races and um, I guess yeah. Surf Coast Century really set me up for the rest of my career. So um, it's, it holds a very special place in my heart. Um, and also from the first year to the third year, you know, it was really special to see myself improve in certain ways and, and get faster every year. And I, by the third year, I got very close to that nine-hour mark. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a really, really exciting experience because I had so many of my friends and the people that I coached and my family down there um, to see me cross the line. So, um, yeah, I really love that event and it's nice to be able to run fast. It's not too – it's not. It's certainly not mountainous like some of the ones I've done now. So I actually look back now and wonder if I could still run that fast on that course. I don't know. Yeah, we should touch on that. You did a super fast time. So – I saw your time for 2016 was about nine hours three minutes. Yeah, that's correct. Did you go? Did you go faster than that 2016 or uh, sorry 2015 or 2014? No, so I improved my time each year. <laughs> yep. And the winner this year, Sarah Ludowici, I think she did just over 10 hours, and yourself coming in at nine hours. So just to put it in into perspective, um, super fast. So. I actually, is it, it might actually be a course record for Surf Coast Century females, is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I got pretty close to the men that year, but um, couldn't couldn't quite get over the nine hour nine hour mark. That soft sand on Eckhart's Beach at the end just got me. <laughs> yeah, it's one of John's John and Sam's favourite segments of the course yeah. is the sand, just to yeah. slow everyone down. Especially as uh, you know, when you're in the lead, the time of day that you go through, it's always soft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and at nine hours, you're still coming through in the daylight, aren't you? So, yeah. Obviously, one of your winning it three times is unbelievable. 
Uh, we haven't seen you the last couple of years. Have you just been focus, focusing on the European season, UTMB and other things? Yeah, I guess after winning it three times, I sort of felt like I was pretty satisfied with that and I, I didn't really need to, to go back again and it was an opportunity to try a few other things. So um, I, I guess the last couple of years I've really focused on just challenging myself a little bit more. You know, I'd, I have won lots of the races in Australia and Victoria and um, I wanted to put myself against the best. So I've, I've found different races in Europe and the States and wherever else to, to challenge myself against the best runners in the world. And, um, yeah, it's hard when you get pushed back down the field a little bit, but that's that's what I needed just to, to challenge myself in a different way. And we've talked about your, your partner as your biggest supporter. Is there anyone else that um, you look up to this one, right? as, like, a mentor? <laughs> <laughs> this is, for everyone listening, this is my dog who just come to say hello. <laughs> is he the one making all the racket in the background? <laughs> Probably, actually. That could be the... That could be what we were thinking. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, what sort of dog is he? He's a Hungarian Vizsla <laughs> called Barkley. Hungarian Vizsla. Yeah. And is he one of your training companions? He is, definitely. Um, yeah, he loves running and he gets very annoyed if I if I don't take him. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he pushes me to train for a bit as well. <laughs> so he can do five-minute Ks quite comfortably? Quite comfortably. Uh, he, I, he was begging me to take him to run group this week and uh, he made me run a lot faster than what I, my body was ready for. So I'm very sore this week. Has, has he got the distance though? Does he, he does. conk out after 10K? Nah, he, we got him up to 30, 30 kilometres plus and he could probably st still keep going. He loves it. Uh, sorry, what was his name again? Uh, Barkley. So his name Barkley. is the, the Barkley Marathon. Barkley Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you done the Barkley Marathon? No, I have not. <laughs> Maybe one day. That's the one where I think there's a a show on Netflix that calls Barkley or Barkley Marathon is where you go to die or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's a good Maybe one. Maybe that's a meme on. <laughs> yeah, it's a nasty one. So that's on the list in the future. No, maybe. We'll see. I think I need to work on my navigation skills before I attempt that one. <laughs> and Western States, uh, have you done Western States? No, I haven't been lucky enough to get an entry um, just yet. So we'll be holding our breath for the lottery this weekend and see what happens. Any other big, big name races like Western States and others that are bad water, maybe? Are they on your radar? Um, Western States, I guess, is the main one. but. Um, yeah, maybe Badwater one day, you never know. Um, there's none others that I'm really passionate about about trying to do, but I, I guess I just use my running as an opportunity to travel and see the world. So for me it's just finding races in places that I haven't been yet and giving them a crack. Um, and, you know, I'd like to do some more races as part of the, the Ultra Trail World Tour as well. So for you it's about travel and adventure as well. Oh, Not just um, ticking the boxes in terms of racing, it's about seeing the world and running at the same time. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, if we can go back to what was the first race you did that sort of inspired you to keep on going? Yeah, so the first... Was it a, a local park run or trail run event? Yeah, the first main run that I did was run for the kids. 
So uh, my cousin was uh, running it as a bit of publicity for something else and um, asked me to do it with him. So I, I ran that day further than I ever have and I thought um, well, if I could run 14K, surely I could do a half marathon. So uh, the distance just improved from there. And um, I ended up doing Oxfam trail walker with some friends and we did an ultra um, at Marinda Dam as a as a lead-in, as a team, and I just really loved it, really loved being outdoors and really loved the challenge and found that the distance came quite naturally to me. Um, so, yeah, never looked back from there. And did you do a great deal of training for those initial events or you just kind of, you you're winging it, as they say? No, I really didn't do much training and I remember thinking, uh <laughs> You know, three days a week running was plenty for me and I couldn't, you know, these people that trained twice a day, I just didn't fathom how they could <laughs> actually do that <laughs> or want to do that. So, uh, yeah, things have changed a lot <laughs> in a few years' time. And it was, it felt natural from day one. That first event, you thought, this is it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, you know, I always played team sports um, when I was growing up and that was a lot of fun, but um yeah just took to running and and really enjoyed it so and and particularly enjoyed the trail running I sort of did a lot of road running early on and then um I think I did a few marathons and I I stopped improving and I I needed a new challenge so I I swapped to the trails and uh you never had an inkling like you never did uh you know cross-country running at school or things like that it was always team sports like did you play netball and things like that yeah, always netball and basketball. Um, I think I did some of the athletics at school, but, yeah, I don't remember ever doing cross-country. And, um, yeah, this year was my, the first time I'd, I'd done a cross-country season, so that was a bit of fun. So how old were you when you started your trial running or your running in general? You started yeah. with the Oxfam walk. And- I always say it was about five years ago, but I think it's probably at least ten now. I don't even know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was early. How, how, old are you now? how old are you now? If we 30, don't mind us asking. Yeah, I'm 33 now. 33. So I would say it's, it's never too late for people to sort of get out there and start running and taking on these big races as you've done. Yeah, no way. It's never too late. Um, you know, I've got plenty of athletes that are sort of in their 40s and 50s. So um, it's never too late. Yeah. So that's athletes that you coach that are in their 40s and 50s? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And any teenagers, people in their early 20s, so it's a full spectrum? Yeah, full spectrum. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of young blokes that come to to run group as well. And, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's really nice seeing people at different stages of their um, of their life but also of their, their running career. So always different goals. You do this. You do this training face-to-face or you can do it online? Yeah, so some is um, – so I've got a few athletes, quite a few athletes online and then um, I run a group once a week. So it's nice to be able to see people in the flesh as well. Uh, do you have a website? I guess if you can give a, a quick plug to, for people out there who may want to explore it further. Yeah, so um, I coach for, for Up Coaching, which is – so Brendan Davies is the – the head coach um, based in the Blue Mountains, and um, I'm the Melbourne leg of that. Brendan's a former winner of the Surf Coast Century, I understand. I think he is, yep. Um, 
a question I've asked on previous episodes of the Rapid Ascent podcast. You know, we talk about nature and nurture um, and people's you know, sort of natural ability. I'm guessing you believe in nurture, so you can nurture someone, maybe late 20s who's never really run before. You can turn them from, I don't know, an average runner into a very good runner. I'm guessing, so nature and nurture, what's your belief? Oh, I think it's a... I think it's a bit of both, definitely. Um, you know, for myself, I think I definitely probably had some natural ability to start with, but um, you know, it's 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 all the training and dedication that you put into that for it to become something special. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, I like to think that I can help train people that you know have, have only just started to become really really great runners. Um, it's always really fun giving people quality sort of speed sessions for the first time when they've never done anything like that and they just start seeing their speed improve out of sight. So I really enjoy that aspect of coaching. Uh, so what happens on the speed sessions? Um, so I hear a lot about speed sessions, but um, in particular with your with regard to your training, how does that fit in? Yeah, so I guess I'll do a variety of different um, fight leg sessions or um, tempo runs where you're trying to maintain a particular pace over a certain certain time and in, increasing the ability to do that um, particularly yeah not only for the trails but you know I did a uh, went back and did a road marathon this year which was a bit of fun got my first sub three uh, marathon um, but yeah I think quality sessions are in, important for any program if people actually want to get faster so your fight leg sessions would go for about 20 minutes? Oh, for, for me, probably a bit longer. Depends. Um, but it, it really depends on the on the purpose of the session and what you're doing. But, yeah, I guess I the, Steve, the people yeah. that I'm coaching in the base probably around 20 minutes. Yep. I know Steve Monaghetti uh, from Ballarat used to swear by fight leg sessions. I understand still does them on a pretty regular basis around Lake Wendery. Yeah, that's it. And I guess we, we definitely use some of his sessions, so a good love a good monophyte like. Yeah. Um, yeah, for people who are listening and um, wondering about fight leg sessions, so you're basically sprinting for a minute and a half. You might start at a minute and a half sprinting and then you jog for a minute and a half and then you sprint for a minute and then you jog for a minute. Is that the way you do yours? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, just gradually going. But yeah. <laughs> so super important to 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 make to ensure you can go faster, basically. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. I guess you can train it at long distances, day after day after day, but to go quicker, that's something else, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and I guess different people have different views on how to achieve that, but yeah, for me, it's definitely doing a couple of quality sessions within the week. And, um, and trying to build up your capacity to achieve that and capacity to get rid of that lactic acid and be able to push through. So you've branched out from ultra ultra marathon. You've done a, a road marathon this year. Anything else? I think I read online that you've done a Spartan race recently. Is that right? Yeah, I did a Spartan race probably this time last year. So my husband... How did you go with that? Yeah my, yeah, my husband convinced me that it would be a good idea. Uh, I only did the <laughs> 15K one and he did it with me. And um, it was in Bright and um, I quite enjoyed the first few Ks where it was a lot of running and uh, climbing up Mystic. 
And then we came back into the main arena where there was obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And um, it was a lot of fun for something different. Um, it really put me out of my yep. comfort zone um, with some of the inverted walls and things where, you know, I, I didn't really trust my flexibility or <laughs> um, ability to get over something really high. Um, but yep. I actually really surprised myself with some. And the, the, main, the worst ones for me were the barbed wire because um, I'm so inflexible that I couldn't crawl underneath. <laughs> I can't get down that low, so I had to roll, and um, it just made me really, really dizzy and <laughs> feeling really nauseous. So I hated those ones. But uh, I think oh, I ended, really? so... ended up doing about 120 burpees. I think 30 burpees per obstacle that you miss. <laughs> oh God! So are you going to do that style event again? Never say never. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So it served its purpose to spice up the variety, I guess, yeah. of activity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, would you encourage that in terms of training? So you can do uh, interval, fart like sort of sprint training. You can do your long distance running. Do you do strength and conditioning as well? So you get in the gym and lift weights? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a body pump instructor. Um, so I've been doing that for 10 years plus. That's been my, my main um, strength workout each week. Um, I'm only teaching one class a week now, so um, I go to the gym another day and do a variety of stuff from a bit heavier lifting, heavier deadlifts and things to um, just doing a, a range of different strength work that the physios have given me um, based on my own weaknesses. So that's been been really good. Would you consider that essential for a running program? Is strength training? Uh, not essential, but I think I think it's really important. Um, yeah, I, I think it's particularly um, just for injury prevention and to focus on on the weak parts so that you can remain strong. And um, particularly when you're running really long distances, um, yeah, it's been it's been really beneficial for me. And we spoke we spoke briefly about your your races in North America this year so you went to europe after that so mont blanc fifth in 2018 one of your career highlights Seven. how did you go this year 2017 uh, yeah um so this year it was a very tough day out um i had a really good lead-in had really good training and um just on the day just had a few things not go quite to plan so um i i sort of had had a few problems with my feet early on in the race. Um, I started off really hard and I came in second place probably into the first or second towns. And then the minute we started climbing, my feet just started really hurting. So um, don't know what had happened there. I'd sort of, I'd worn these shoes in training a little bit, but I was sort of saving them for the main race. Um, so once I, I swapped them at the first checkpoint, um, that, that was fine. And then um yeah i just had started having a few um sort of uti problems early on which has never happened before in a race but um by the time i got to sort of the about the 80k mark in Cormea in italy um yeah things weren't looking all that good and i you know I, I knew the risks to my kidneys um if i kept going um so it was a really tough decision after you know you've put in months and months of hard work um trying to figure out whether to keep going or not, knowing that I was going up to the most remote part of the course. Um, by that point, I was pretty much 
peeing coke. Um, sorry to be very graphic, oh. but I think it's really important that people are yeah. with this stuff. So, um, yeah, so so I was really worried um, and I had tried to stop <clears throat> and um, ask the medics a few times what to do, what to prevent, do to prevent it from getting worse. Um, but they really didn't really speak any English and so I didn't get much help in that area. So I just had to make the call myself. So I chose to keep going, but I had to slow right down and just try and drink and drink and drink to flush it all out. Um, so um, that worked and I came good probably another 40 k's later. Um but by that point, I think I'd been drinking too much and not focusing on eating. And so um, I, I was really struggling to get any fuel in. Um, anything that went close to my mouth was just feeling sick. So there were times when I went sort of a good nine or ten hours without putting anything into my body. So trying to climb some of those mountains on no fuel at all is very, very challenging. Um but, yeah, I just tried to enjoy it. Um, we had much better weather than we had in 2017. Um, so the views were absolutely fantastic. And um, I just tried to enjoy being there. And um, I came good right at the end and had a good sprint finish to sneak back into the top 20. So um, overall, I was actually, you know, I, I finished on a real high after a, a, a pretty shitty race. So I was pretty stoked. Yeah, to a top 20 after all that is still quite good. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So you, you had to deal with all those issues and problems and then there was a language barrier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's quite common over there. You know, here you're used to chatting along the way and um, trying to chat to people in the middle of a race in Europe can be quite difficult sometimes. <laughs> so were you looking at total kidney failure? Is that where, where it was getting to or...? Not, that, um, not quite severe. Look, I, I don't know. I, I got tested for, for rhabdo after to see if that's what happened. Um, we, it was probably leading that way. Um, but um, by the time, you know, a couple of weeks after I got home, everything was 100% and, and fine. So um, who knows? You know, looking at the, um, the risk factors for that, um, I had, when I first got over to Europe, I developed a chest infection sort of out of the blue, no other symptoms. And I, I thought that everything was fine, but obviously that was still in the system. So um, having a, a prior infection is a risk factor. Um, it was also really, really humid. So we didn't start till 6 p.m. at night, but it was it was really warm and humid and um, I was sweating a lot more than I normally would. Um, you know, it looked like I'd been for a swim once I got to the first checkpoint. So that was also a risk factor and, um, yeah, a few other little, little, oh, the other thing was that because the race had started at 6 p.m., um, I had decided to try and stay at the house and rest um, for most of the day and it meant that I didn't get a coffee until really late and I, um, I had a massive headache before the race so I had taken some, um, some Advil, I think, um, and I don't normally take any drugs ever, but we thought that being a few hours before the race, it would be fine and out of the system. But I think just it was the perfect combination of all of those things um, that that led to a bit of a downfall. So uh, lots of learning. Yeah, definitely. Like in, in comparison to your, your experience in 2017, it must have been quite a shock to the system. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And... Was the altitude a factor? Like UTMB, I've got in my notes here, it's got an elevation of 10,000 metres. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, so it goes up to about 2,500 metres, I think. Um, I haven't 
notice too much of an effect up until that height. I think anything beyond that would, would be um, a bit more of an impact. But um, yeah, there is. Apart from the actual altitude, there's there's just lots of climbing. So it is about ten thousand meters. So some of these these climbs just go for hours, um, and we we can't get climbing <laughs> like that here in Australia. So it's it's very different. Yeah, the the mountains of the Dandenong Ranges must seem like little humps compared to the mountains over there. Pretty much. It's always pretty funny coming home and looking up at that mountain and <laughs> just thinking, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were big. You are not big. <laughs> just a, a little lump. <clears throat> yeah, the steps mustn't seem quite the same. No. <laughs> um, any advice for training for if you don't have access to European Alps and like does New Zealand come into the picture? Can you train in New Zealand or just for people taking that next step, I guess? Yeah, 100%. Like you can train anywhere. It's just trying to trying to compromise, you know, with what you have. Um, so for me it was doing lots and lots of reps up the Dandenongs, finding some, you know, lots of steep trails. Um, New Zealand is perfect if you can get over there. Um, but, yeah, you know, trying to do some day trips or, or weekend trips out to the Alpine region and, um, trying to do some back-to-back runs and just getting lots of time on your feet. And I think the main thing to remember with UTMB is um, you don't need to do all run training. It's There's a lot of hiking, um, a lot of hiking. So it's important to train specifically for that as well. And, and I think lots of people forget that. Do you carry sticks and poles during the hiking sections or? Yep. Yeah, for sure. And um, okay. Yeah. With, with lots of the European races, if you choose to start with them, you actually are not allowed to drop them and you can't just pick them up halfway through either. So you need to start. With You're them. not allowed to drop them. No. So you start with them and you finish with them. And that, that race is 100, 100 miles, isn't it? So 170-odd K. Yeah, correct. Do you have any more races? I know you moved on to South America later in the year. How, how did you go there? Was it a... A more pleasant experience? Yeah, so mountain running world champs um, was in Argentina in a place called Villa Langostura and um, it was it was good. It was interesting training for that because UTMB initially was going to be my last race of the season and um, then I, I got into the team so uh, it was another big push for two months um, trying to recover from UTMB but also then trying to prepare so finding a finding a balance. Um, and I think we did all the right things and um, went into that into that race feeling pretty good, feeling pretty fresh. And um, I think I didn't have as big expectations on myself for this one. Um, I've raced in the Trail World Champs three times, and so I knew sort of where I, I fitted in the field, I guess. And um, I just went out and enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I came thirty fifth out of about 90 I think so um yeah I was really happy with that and um it was heaps of fun I think I'd done all the right training it was on lots of um sort of steep mountain bike trails um there was some river crossings it was um, a bit of snow running which is I don't know if anyone's seen the video but it was absolutely hilarious um trying to stay on your feet um so, yeah. is that on Facebook or yeah somewhere on Facebook or on Instagram <laughs> yeah I'll have to look that one up yeah. Uh, how was that running in the snow? It was really hard, and there was a lot of a lot more snow than I anticipated. So um, it wasn't soft; it was sort of crunchy, and it was just really hard to. We sort of traversed 
um, up this mountain for quite a while and then a bit of up and then we had to come straight down this steep, steep bit of snow and um, lots of the Aussies had come up to support me up there, which was um, really good and, um, yeah, just very funny trying to stay on your feet, just kept slipping over. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So that was, that was Aussies just living in Argentina? No, no, the, the other guys in the team. <laughs> Oh, the other guys in the team. Yeah. And similar type of elevation to UTMB? Um, it was about, so it was only a 42K race. So we use the word only. Um, <laughs> only 42, yeah, just a little park run. Um, yeah, but uh, so it was about, I think it was just over, it was probably 2,200 over 42K. So, yeah, fair, a fair bit of up. <clears throat> uh, so that was a one-day event? Yeah, it was very nice to be over in less than five hours. <laughs> yeah, so feet up on the couch watching a movie at night. <laughs> yeah, almost. No, it was an after party then. We got to go and meet, hang out with the rest of the, the, the uh, teams from around the globe. <clears throat> uh, very good. Did you participate in any of the other races at UTMB? So it's a, a week-long festival or was it just UTMB? Yeah, so, Not just UTMB. <laughs> uh, over the years I have done, so my first European race was the OCC, which is the, the shortest version, it's about 55 kilometres. Um, that was back in maybe 2014, 2015 yep. maybe. Um, and then I did UTMB 2017. I did TDS, which is the 120K version in uh, last year. That increased this year by a significant amount. That one is a little bit more off the beaten track, so it's a little bit more um, technical and, um, I guess, away from the major towns and things. Um, and then back to UTMB this year. So they've always been one-day events for you? No, yeah. Do people actually do back up and do multiple events? I would highly doubt it. There might be one or two. Yeah. Questions, but, yeah, it's a bit hard. Yeah. <laughs> and we did have a – we had a – a request on Facebook for a question about um, preparing for a multi-stage running race, um, similar to Run Laura Pinta, so four days, four stages of running, about 30 to 40K each day, hot sun. Yep. Any advice for preparing for multi-stage, multi-day races? Yeah. So Have you done any, done yeah, any multi-day races? Yeah, I've done a couple. So I've done um, a race called the Himalayan 100, which is on the Indian-Nepalese border. It was 100 miles over uh -huh. four days. Um, that was a really fun event if anyone ever gets a chance to go. Um, there, <laughs> there's lots of quirks in that race. So uh, little things like to prevent people getting lost, you have to sign the book every five kilometres <laughs> to make sure you're okay. Um, every 5K? Every 5K. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope John and Sam are listening to this and <laughs> take note. <laughs> It's very funny, and there's they have um, boiled potatoes and bananas for you along the way, and um, yeah, that was was lots of fun. Um, and then that the sounds other, sensational. The other one I've done is the Kokoda um, Ultra. So um, we did Kokoda over um, three, I think it was three days, um, and that was a fantastic event as well. Um, I think those two are different in that with Kokoda we had to carry a lot of our own gear um so we didn't have to carry a tent but we had to carry everything else um and then yep. the Himalayan 100 we didn't have to carry anything in fact there was no mandatory gear with that one and on the first day we had to climb from uh, 2000 meters plus and um, by the time we got to the top it was snowing 
and there are a lot of people, you know, coming from Australia where we always have to carry gear. Me and Teague's had, had stuff with us, but other people didn't have even a, a spare top on them. So they were absolutely freezing coming coming up to the top of the mountain. Um, so in terms of preparation for those, I think the main thing is going for weekends away and just going hiking, going fast packing, going for some, you know, back-to-back back to back running. Um, some of the things we've in, we've done is um, like fast packed the um, Oscars 100 course in the Vic Alps. Um, so yep. you, you got to carry your own stuff, get used to carrying weight, um, and get used to you know running on tired legs. That's probably my my main tip. <laughs> so get away up to Mount Buller, Mount Hotham. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, how big is your backpack? I, I imagine that's super light. So you wouldn't be carrying a great deal? Yeah, it depends. I, I, looking back, I probably definitely carried too much in the Kokoda race. Um, my back was pretty heavy and my shoulders were getting pretty sore. And it, it's definitely a lot different running when you're carrying, you know, 10 plus kilos. Um, so, you know, if you're going to be doing these events over time, it's good to try and collect lighter gear as you go along. It can be expensive, but... You know, it's things that you can yep. keep using again. So the lighter you can go, the better. Um, but yeah, it depends what you what you've got. I guess the the pack that I took for that one was the Ultimate Direction Fast Pack. Um, the and I chose to get the thirty five liter, I think, because it has a waist belt, and just having that waist belt helps take some of the weight off your shoulders. Um, and you can always fold it smaller if you're not using the whole lot. Um, and I imagine probably stops it flapping around too on your shoulders so it's yeah. a bit more compact when yeah. it's around your waist. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, but now I am sponsored by Camelback, so they will be coming out with some, some new fastbacks in 2020, I believe. So I'm pretty excited to see what, what they've got. Uh, very good. We'll watch out for those. So you've done, you've done a lot. Uh, what motivates you now to keep going? What's, and I guess, two-part question, what motivates you to keep going, improving and What's on the calendar for 2020? Yeah, so um, in terms of motivation to keep going, I guess, um, like we said before, I think just seeing the world and travelling and, and being able to, you know, I've had so many opportunities to go to different places. Um, I feel very lucky um, to be able to do that and I want to be able to, to keep doing that whilst my body still lets me, you know. Um, for 2020, I actually haven't put a plan together yet. Um, it's been a really big year, obviously, and I'm just trying to use December to chill out and not actually think about that because the minute you start yeah. for races, you think that you need to start training. So, um, yeah, yep. trying to just play it cool. Um, the lottery for Western States is this weekend, so we'll see what comes of that and then, um, yeah, base a plan around that probably. there's On the cards is potentially UTA, um, the Brisbane Trail Ultra, um, and maybe even a race in New Caledonia. Um, yeah, we'll just New Caledonia. Yeah. Uh, maybe Surf Coast Century. <laughs> maybe I actually <laughs> so I, I did do the Margaret uh, Margaret River Ultra as a team Ultra, yeah. um, two in, in the first year, and yep. really enjoyed that. It was, it was heaps of fun. So I would I would um, be keen to come and, and attempt the full course of that at some point. Yeah, we hope to see you at either of those events next year, Margaret River Ultra in May and Surf Coast Century in September. Did you, were you lucky enough to get the sand section at the Margaret River Ultra, which I think is leg three? 
Doesn't that sound always? <laughs> yeah, well, people say that. We try and tell them no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's only six k, but no, it's a bit more than that. I think I did the last. I did the last leg. What did I do? Two legs. I can't remember if I did two legs or just the last leg. It might have been the last two legs. Maybe. Yeah, well, it's, I think the sandy section is the, in the last two legs. So there you go. It's not. It's not bad enough that you can remember. Yeah, it was fun. I, I like sand running. I've done so many beach events now, from Surf Coast Century to the Surf Coast Trail Marathon to. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, sand doesn't bother me. <laughs> Would you take sand over mountains? Uh, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tough call. <laughs> <laughs> we need, if, uh, if we can get training, a sorry training in Chile actually before we um, the week before World Champs we actually ran around a volcano and that was very sandy and hilly, so we had a bit of a bit of both worlds. <laughs> you must have some pretty amazing photography going on. Do you collect photos as you go or is it all in the mind, all the memories? No, I, I love taking photos, so I really like the ability to be able to go and see a course before I race on it just so that I don't feel like I need to stop in the middle of the race to take photos because, <laughs> yeah, I quite yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> That's race face on when the race is on, but yeah. otherwise, yeah, you're into photography? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do like a bit of photography. Um, I haven't actually pulled my digital SLR out in a, many years. It got too hard to travel with, but we're pretty lucky that iPhones are pretty good these days, so that's always what I use now. Yeah, I couldn't imagine packing a DSLR into the backpack on a multi-day race or even up a mountain. So, um, on the subject of your life outside running, what's your PhD in? Yeah, so my PhD is looking at home exercise programs. Um, for mostly it started off because I, I was working in community rehab um, for mostly stroke clients. Um, so we were looking at um, whether it's better to give them a piece of paper with their exercises on it or whether to use their their um, iPhone or iPad to film them actually doing their exercises. And um, it's sort of, the project has evolved from there. But, um, yeah, it seems that there's lots of benefits to using the phone and I've um, definitely implemented that into my own life. You know, if I go to the physio, I'll hand over my phone and get him to film me. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it allows me to then one remember what I'm meant to be doing and do it and make sure that I'm doing it properly oh very good so that that relates to your life of adventure and activity yeah so it must have been quite easy to study have you finished the PhD no it's very hard to find time amongst <laughs> training <laughs> and working um but yeah hopefully hopefully next year we'll get there but when, got- when did you start uh, well, the actual project started probably five or six years ago, but um, I just up- yep. upgraded to a PhD last year. Um, so uh-huh. I've got four publications done and now I'm just trying to put it all together. So we are getting there. <laughs> and you still work full-time as an OT? Yeah, so I'm still an occupational therapist working in community health out in Hillsville. Um, currently been covering the team leader role for the last six months, so not doing as much clinical work. Um, but, um, yeah, it's nice working in a small community and, well, I say small community, but we actually have a, a really large catchment area and driving around and 
visiting people in their homes and trying to keep them at home for longer. So, yeah, it's a good job. Oh, so working in the aged care? Yeah, mostly. End of it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty obvious that you're a very active and inspiring woman. Do you have any advice for any ladies out there that might be embarking on their first trail run or considering doing something like the Margaret River Ultra or Surf Coast Century in 2020? Any key advice for girls out there who might be listening? Yeah, I guess the main thing is just to, to go out and enjoy it. Um, you know, you probably hear that a lot, but the, the best thing about trail running is that you, you know, you're not, you're not pushed by your, your time goals anymore. You can't, um, you know, you can't have a consistent pace like you do on road in road marathons or road road running. Um, so, um, you know, it's it's going out and and just enjoying the scenery and enjoying um, the community because we you know we have such an awesome community um, for women in particular. Um, you know, I think it's important to note that. You know, for both myself and, and my athletes, it's been, you know, sometimes it can, can get challenging to train for these these longer events, um, particularly in the middle of winter when it's, you know, it's dark when you get up and it's dark when you go to bed, when you get home from work. And, you know, for me, one of the main things that's been beneficial is to to find different people to run with and line people up for different nights of the week so that, um, one, it keeps my motivation going, but also I feel safe on the trails and, um, you know, um, feel like I can can get out there any time of night, and that's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's I guess that's an important thing is safety and all the rest. You know, running through the bush at ten thirty at night is not exactly a comforting thing. So, you highly recommend getting out there with other people and joining running groups and the rest. Yeah, hundred percent, and and definitely that's you know the the one of the huge benefits of of my run group is that you know there's lots of women there that that feel they've got a safe space to run um, with, other, with others. So, yeah, I think it's really, really important. Uh, do you have any favourite resources or apps or books or any techie gear that keeps you keeps you moving and motivated? Uh, I don't know. I've read lots of different running books, but I can't think of ones that actually stand out at the moment. But I guess just having the right, you know, having the right gear, having a good watch that you can rely on, having... Um, you know, just think about all your gear and collect things as you go, getting a good backpack, getting a good watch. Um, I've recently switched over to Coros, um, which has been really, really good, um, particularly for women. I found that my previous watches were just a bit too heavy and bulky on my wrist, particularly when I needed them to last for, you know, a 30-hour race. So um, the Coros has been really good, um, really easy to use and nice and light and smaller on my little tiny wrist. Yeah, so that you've got GPS maps on that. Yep. Not that I know how to use all the functions, but you know that's there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if, I, if we can just touch on running at night. So obviously daylight savings at the moment, but mm. running at night and running early morning in the dark—is that something you do? Um, I'll do it if I have to. Uh, well, no, I guess in winter you have to. Um, you don't really have a choice. So yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Um, I guess. Um, you know, one of the reasons we got a dog was to have a little buddy to run with um, at, at night if I needed to. Um, and then, yeah, for yep. me it's finding, you know, going down to the track where I know there's another group on at the time or, um, 
you know, some of the athletes that I coach, we sort of started up an informal little group that runs on a Wednesday night um, of similar pace people. And, yeah, it's just, just finding different different ways of getting around it. Sometimes um, yeah, hubby on the bike while I run it helps as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got to get back on the mountain bike, so yeah. <laughs> good excuse to get out there and ride alongside. Yeah, exactly. And any so that's some advice for people considering running. We also have a lot of people that come from a mountain bike background, trail running background, ultra background. We've got a, a lot of adventure races as well that listen in. Any general life advice for a life of adventure and activity or what inspires you the most? Yeah, well, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll save the big philosophical question for last. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know, but I guess just, um, yeah, like I keep coming back to it, but just being able to, to visit all of the different places in Victoria and around Australia and around the world that we have available to us, you know, being able to, being adventurous and either on the bike or on foot, um, you know, it allows us to go to so many different places that a very small part of the world will ever get to see, you know, getting to the top of some of these mountains that, that people, you know, lots of people would never even, even have the ability to do that. So, you know, using our, our sport and um, our fitness um, to, to get there is pretty cool. Um, I've just come, obviously come back from South America and <clears throat> we hiked the Torres del Paine um, W walk in, in Patagonia, um, which was so cool. But, you know, it really made us think about um, our fitness and how lucky we are. We just sort of take it for granted that we can move at such a faster pace than a lot of people who are probably doing the hardest walk of their life. Um, and, you know, we can yep. do it in, in a lot shorter time period. So, you know, using that fitness and, and being able to, to see the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. And I know it's part of the inspiration for Rapid Ascent 15 years ago, John Jacoby always big on getting out there and seeing different locations. So I guess, yes, events like Surf Coast Century and Margaret River Ultra, they, they're born on a on a need to get out there and see the world. So good advice. Yeah. Um, Kelly, thanks very much for joining us for Episode 8 of the Rapid Ascent Podcast. I hope to see you uh, maybe Surf Coast Century or Margaret River Ultra next year, but um, where can we keep track of you on social media if people would like to reach out or have a chat with you on Facebook or just keep track on Instagram? Yeah, so my Instagram um, is kelmo, K-E-L-E-M-M-O, and um, there's also an athlete Facebook page, Kelly Emerson Trail Runner or like, Ultra Trail Runner, something along those lines. <laughs> yep, just type in Kelly Emerson on Facebook and you should find it. Yep. Yeah, thanks again for your time today. We'll let you get back to Barclay. He's causing all sorts of havoc at home. <laughs> No worries, thank you. And you probably appreciate your time on your designated day off, so uh, thanks for joining us today. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kelly.